Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. My name is Perry Bider. You can use he, him pronouns for me, and I'm the officiant today. WES is one community unified across time and space, gathering for these Sunday platforms to affirm our values and commit to a better world. So I want to welcome those of you who are here in the hall, those who are watching now on Zoom, and those who are catching the recording later. If you're on Zoom, please check the chat for a welcome and various tips from Joe Klein, today's Zoom chat usher. If you're here in the hall and would like an assistive listening device, please ask the sound team at the back. A special welcome to our visitors today. We'd love to get to know you and answer any questions you have. To get on our email list, you can fill out the connection form at tiny.cc slash westconnects or send an email to membership at ethicalsociety.org. We only use that information to communicate directly with you. We do not share any of your contact information. If you're here in person, we invite you to stop by the welcome table after platform or just talk with any of us wearing these permanent white name tags. I will now check the Zoom chat to look for greetings from those who are attending remotely this morning. Uh, Mark Mayer says, good morning to everyone from Rockville. Uh, Judy Myers, hello from Judy and Randy. Joe Klein, good morning, everyone. Ruth says, good morning. Looking forward to today's platform. This is my first time on Zoom. So far, so good. We're keeping fingers crossed for you, Ruth. Um, Sue Smith, good morning. And Laura DeShulo and Kalmia. I think that's her cat or dog. I'm not sure. I think cat. I was right the first time. Okay. Better not that get, get that wrong. It's good to connect and share this time together. Opening words this morning are from a 1940 Associated Press interview with Charles F. Kettering, inventor and head of research at General Motors. Kettering was quoted as saying that the one thing he definitely knows about the future is that we should all be concerned about it because we will have to spend the rest of our lives there. We're in for a treat again today as we have Josh Blinder, Jason Lang, and Tom Bishop back to provide the music, starting with today's opening song, Bob Dylan's New Morning.
Each week, we read our statement of purpose as a reminder of our shared values. If you're interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc slash read SOP. You can read it here in person or make a recording that will be included in a future platform. If you'd like to explore the pre-recording option, please contact me after platform. Today's reader is Roberta Geyer. Roberta is familiar to many of you as one of the people who greets you here on Sunday mornings. She's a longtime member. Hi. Uh, the Washington Ethical Society is a humanist congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique, unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other in the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and, and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you, Roberta. As Roberta lights our community candle, I invite you all to join with me in the candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Let us now enter into the centering time of our platform. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I am particularly mindful of all those who participated in yesterday's March on Washington. I believe we have at least one such person here today. They gave of their time in the present to help build and pave the way for a better future. I am also thinking of many people, including some of our own members, who have recently uh, run afoul of the COVID bug, um, some of them losing out on long-awaited vacation plans. I hope everyone has mild and short-lived symptoms. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us open our hearts to compassion for those who suffer. And let us commit ourselves to the work that calls for our love.
I invite you now into a time of meditation. Please take a moment to get as comfortable as you can in your seat or wherever else you are. Might wiggle a bit if needed. Let go of any tension you find. Stretch it out. And start with a nice, comfortably nourishing breath. Pay attention to the sensation of the air moving in and out of your body. If you're comfortable doing so, feel free to close your eyes or just soften your gaze. As you continue breathing, I invite you to let these words from the Indian poet Kalidasa drop like a pebble into your mind and see the ripples that emerge from it. Yesterday is but a dream, and tomorrow is only a vision. But today, well lived, makes every day, every yesterday, a dream of happiness, and every tomorrow, a vision of hope. We continue our meditation in silence and in the music that follows.
Today's reading is excerpted from the author's note in the 2009 graphic memoir, Whatever Happened to the World of Tomorrow, by Brian Fees. I was born near the beginning of the space age. My peers and I are just about the youngest cohort that will know the Apollo lunar landings as personal memories rather than impersonal history. We grew up expecting the future to be ours. An older generation born before the invention of the light bulb had lived to see men walk on the moon. Surely that trend of breathtaking technological progress would continue. We would conquer the lands of the earth, the floors of the oceans, the surfaces of the planets. We would feed the hungry, enrich the poor, and free the enslaved. Certainly a golden age, if not utopia, was just around the corner. We were wrong. The millennial complaint, where's my flying car and jetpack, was a joke, but one that hinted at the heart of a broken promise. <clears throat> Somewhere along the way, we lost something more important and profound than personal light aircraft. As the world of tomorrow's dark and unintended consequences emerged, the very idea of a hopeful future worth working toward became old-fashioned and naive. One-time heroes became villains. Optimism was for saps. Dystopian doom was where all the smart, cool, cynical people placed their bets. I disagree. Whatever happened to the world of tomorrow is an appreciation of an and an argument for an increasingly rare way of thinking, creating, working, and living that has value. There was a time when building the future was inspirational, ambitious, romantic, even ennobling. I think it can be again. As always, it's a pleasure to welcome Wes's senior leader, Casey Slack, to the lectern. Their talk today is entitled, What's Next? Thank you, Perry. I want us to talk today about imagination and action, about what's next in a very literal way, but also in some more figurative ways. It is vitally important that we imagine the future. It is vitally important that we get together and say, here is what is possible. This is the world that we dream about. The reading Perry just shared with you speaks to that. I grew up in a time, really came into knowing myself in between the 90s and the 2000s when believing in the future was deeply uncool. The thing to be was cynical and above the idea of 
something more in the future. My fellow political science majors at Case Western Reserve University in the early 2000s would talk about how we knew that we were consigning ourselves to a life living in cardboard boxes. Now, most of us have done better than that, but the idea that you couldn't hope to do something good and survive. This was deeply written into so many of us who are millennials, younger Gen X, older Gen Z. I remember my undergraduate political science advisor, uh, Joe White, a man who had come to case from the Brookings Institution, who was at the time one of the foremost experts on healthcare policy in the country, looking at me and saying, you know, when I was your age, we went to college so we could change the world. You're all here just to get jobs. Yikes. I wasn't there just to get a job. I was there to try to figure out what on earth I was doing. And I had no real vision of a future that the me I was could live in. I grew up in a very small town, uh, not the smallest I've heard of, but literally the highway ends in my hometown. It gets there and decides that there is no need to be a highway anymore. There is simply nothing happening. I grew up in a place where sometimes we drove our tractors to school, where when we were losing basketball and football games to other teams, as we invariably do, all we had was to chant, we've got Walmart. Because our nearby neighbors didn't have Walmart, and because the highway ended in our town, we did. It's hard to imagine a future that you've never seen someone live in, right? Hard to imagine what it's like to go somewhere that you've never seen someone be before. I knew people who had college degrees, but mostly people who got them in their 30s so they could better do a job they already had. I knew almost no one who had a graduate degree. In fact, when I went to university and first met a person who talked to me about his grandfather's dissertation, about his grandfather's PhD, friends, I was surprised that somebody had a grandparent who had a PhD. I don't know when I thought they invented PhDs, but none of my grandparents finished high school. So the idea that people had grandparents was completely outside the space of my knowing. I live a life almost entirely of my own fantasizing and then living into. I made up this as a person that you could be in the world because while I saw people being clergy people without the attachment to theism, and I saw people even being queer clergy people, there are no other Casey Slacks. And realistically, there are no other the rest of you either, no matter how many models you may or may not have felt you had to grow into. 
we're all in a moment, and I mean all of us here, but also all of us here on this planet, all 8 billion-ish of us, in a moment where the future is hard to imagine, right? Things are very literally on fire. There was a hurricane and an earthquake at the same time in Southern California last week. This is a world that is terrifying and hard to find an imagination at all in. This is a world where your imagination matters a lot. Your willingness to feed your own creativity, to believe that anything could be different, that there could be a way of living that isn't about being better than anybody else, that isn't about fighting and winning about who is the most right, that isn't about gathering stuff like if we were a collection of dragons filling our hordes so that maybe we will have enough stuff to survive the end of the world. It takes a lot of imagination. It takes commitment to dreaming to do this. And we should be careful about what kinds of dreaming we're doing. There are types of imagining that lend themselves to complacency, right? When we imagine that things are inevitable, there is this beautiful Ursula K. Le Guin quote about how capitalism seems inevitable, but so did the divine right of kings until someone imagined their way out of it. When we imagine that things are inevitable, good things, bad things, neutral things, we squish our ability to imagine something else. There are also stories we tell ourselves that are more about patting ourselves on the back for being the most right of anyone or for being capital G, capital P, good people who are capital R right about the capital T truth, right? We need to imagine, but we need to remember to imagine ourselves as we can be and are, rather than perfect people who will always have the perfect thing to say and the right idea before we've ever even talked to anybody about it. I don't know about you, but the ideas my own brain comes up with range from brilliant to unrelated to reality. I am a chemical reaction that sometimes is coming up with beautiful possibilities and other times is convinced that the people who love me hate me because I don't know, why not? Brains are complicated. One of the things I think about a lot is the kinds of stories we take in. The TV we watch, the movies we watch, the books we read, the video games we play, which all have narrative arcs that lead us through some sort of feeling, all have some sort of story to tell us. 
How many of you are familiar with the concept of a comfort show? So a comfort show, broadly speaking, is a show that you can go back to over and over again, something that feels comfortable, that has a narrative that you are used to, that you can use when you're feeling a little bit frazzled by the world around you, and you can just slip into that narrative and feel comfortable in that you know what is going to happen. My comfort shows are mostly kind of odd. Um, <laughs> my comfort shows, my comfort movies are Thor Ragnarok, uh, Birds of Prey, and the fantabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn. But one of my long-term comfort shows is The West Wing. And The West Wing is a complicated place to find comfort. I imagine many of you are familiar with The West Wing, the early 2000s drama with Martin Sheen as President Bartlett and so many other cast members who you've seen in 20 million other things now. It is a show about people who always have the right quippy thing to say, who talk faster than they walk and do both a whole lot, who don't really seek compromise with their opponents in the legislature, but instead always have the perfect kind of condescending correct thing to say that wins everybody over. Like I said, it's a rough place to find comfort. The West Wing is this weird little piece of a dream of a liberal administration where you can trust that they were more right than you in the first place. And friends, I've never lived anywhere, anywhere near like that. I've never met a leader who always knows the right thing to say and is worth trusting. I've never encountered people who don't compromise who have really the best interests of everyone at heart. And the thing I hold on to the most from my love of the West Wing and from this complicated story is President Bartlett's habit of finishing something and then immediately saying, what's next? We finished this task. So what is the next task? I think we can do a lot better than I was perfectly right and moral, and now I will go on to be perfectly right and moral. I think we all agree that life is more complicated than that. That finding the right thing to do, making the ethical choice, is more complicated than coming up with the right speech to gloss over all the problems in your plan. I think we've also seen in the real world how a very balanced leader with perfect speeches doesn't always lead to a transformed world. So what's next? We spent last year getting to know each other. We're still getting to know each other, but last year is over, right? We wrapped up our annual meeting in the spring. We passed a budget. I went on vacation. I'm back. What's 
next. In my early conversations with the search committee, I remember saying that I would be happy so long as we could have new problems regularly. That I didn't imagine we would come to a place where we wouldn't have any problems. In fact, the idea of not having problems seems contraindicated to having a vibrant community. But as long as we didn't have the same fight year after year for three plus years, I figured I would be okay. The example I used was one from the first congregation I was ever a member of, where the clergy person had, needing someone to make a decision, decided to paint the front wall of the hall a very beautiful purple color. And then we had a fight for two solid years about if that was the right shade of purple. Friends, I can fight with you about the paint color for a month maximum. I can fight with you about all kinds of other stuff for longer, but I need us to have new problems. And so far, I think we're working on having new problems. I want you to take a second, though, just to think about the narratives you hold closest to your heart. My love of the West Wing reflects a desire in me to believe in a world where you could have perfect words, where you could say the right thing to get everybody on the same page, where you could just like personally struggle with something enough to make it right for the group. But I don't live there. One of the things that I have to challenge myself to do is to think about what it looks like to let myself have the words I have. What it looks like to admit when I was wrong, and I am wrong frequently. What it looks like to lead from a place of collaboration rather than isolation to take responsibility for my leadership, but never try to do it alone. So take a moment and think about your favorite narratives. What sorts of things they encourage you to think and how that does or doesn't work for the life you're actually living. I want you to hold on to whatever you've learned in that moment. And we're going to do a little bit of talking to each other. Because, in fact, your interaction with each other and with me is much of the point of this thing, no matter how much it might on Sunday morning look like I talk and you listen. 
So if we can open the Zoom chat up so that our folks on Zoom can have some conversations among themselves too. What I'd like those of us in the hall to do is get up and find somebody who you don't know that well. Once you have arrived at somebody you don't know that well, quiet back down and I will tell you what we're gonna talk about. I love how much you love to talk to each other. So first, I want you to think about what you dream Wes might be. So this could be today is your first day here and you think, well, I came here because I was hoping for this kind of experience. Hello, a bird. You could be a bird and you could think, what I wanna do is have a nice nest. You could think what I want is for us to have a nice nest for a bird out there. We actually do have space for a bird. We have a wren house, it's beautiful. You could think about a project you'd like to do, about a bigger vision of what West could be in DC and the Montgomery County area. You could think about something little, what you would like to feel coming in here on Sunday morning, or that you would like to come in here on Wednesday or Thursday evening whatever it is, have a conversation together about your dreams. I'm gonna give you like five minutes. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Excellent. It sounds like you're starting to have some good conversations. You can either stay with the folks you're with or rearrange to talk about what you need or what we need for that dream to be possible. Okay, so you had a dream and the next step is what are the resources, what are the actions, what needs to happen to get from where we are to the dream that you're talking about. I'm gonna give you a very small amount of time for this, mostly in the interest of getting us out of here on time. So real quick, two minutes, go. You can return to where you were sitting or continue to sit where you are. I'm not fussed about it. 
what I want you to keep thinking about today, tomorrow, as we continue to know each other, is what can you do to make that dream possible? Maybe all you can do is show up. That is plenty. Your decision to simply come here is a big deal. Your body in this building or your presence on Zoom or even your decision to watch platform later. That's all participation. Any participation you can do is valuable and welcome. But if there's other stuff, if you have ideas for a group you'd like to see exist at West, talk to the staff. We want to make it happen. If you have thoughts about philosophy and ideas that you maybe think that I should think about, you are more than welcome to email me, set up some time to talk, send me a paper. You could ask Peter Bishop. I read a paper. I interact about ideas. Come talk to me. If you've got feelings you need to work through, if there's pain from a previous faith community or other stuff that has happened here, come talk to me. I'm here. That's my job, and I'm glad to do it. If it's something else, find a way to get involved and do it. What I can tell you about what's next this year at West is we're saying yes to possibility. We're trying stuff, and if it doesn't work, we're going to dust ourselves off and move forward. When I think about comfort films, I often think about Bring It On. Bring It On is a movie about cheerleaders from the late 1990s, early 2000s. And in it, a group of cheerleaders from a fictional suburban Los Angeles school discover that their award-winning routines have been stolen from black girls in Compton. And in order to do the right thing, they get rid of every routine they've learned in their entire high school cheerleading career. And let me tell you, at the competition level, that is a lot of routines and a lot of learning. And they sit down with various forms of dance and art and say, what are we going to do? And they work and they try stuff, and some of it works and some of it doesn't work, and they don't win in the end. They don't get first place, they get second. But they did it themselves by saying yes to their own ideas, by letting go of the idea that you've got to take somebody else's model or that someone else is the right person to tell you what to do. They do it together and build their friendships and their community and their individual capacity for creativity along the way. So that's what we're doing. We're going to try stuff, and sometimes it won't work. We're going to try new stuff. We're going to try old stuff. If there is a favorite thing that used to happen at Wes, and you have the energy to help make it happen, let's do it. If there's something Wes has never done before, or you're new enough that you have no idea what Wes has done before, that's okay. 
have the idea. See if you can get one or two other people to do it with you, and let's go. We are trying things this year. We are believing in what is possible. We are still dreaming. We are never letting go of dreaming, but we are doing. We are showing up together. The last thing I'll say is that several of you have sent me an opinion piece that was recently in the Washington Post. It's a good article. I understand why you sent it to me. It's about someone who grew up Christian and no longer feels an attachment to that faith. He left, and now he says he longs for a church of the nuns. He also dismisses out of hand every church for the nuns he's had any experience with, and that is another conversation. But what I will say is that we have something that people want and need. We don't have it perfect. It's maybe not as shiny and vibrant as we would love it to be right now. Friends, nothing is as shiny and vibrant as anyone would love it to be right now. I now live a life where I spend weeks at a time as a blonde because I can't get it together to finish dyeing my hair. <laughs> Things aren't perfect, but that's okay. What matters is that you show up and you keep trying. What matters is that we show up and we tell each other, it is good that you're here. It's good that we are trying. It's good that we are together. We're gonna run into bumps. We're gonna disagree. That is the most normal thing in the world. My Jewish friends like to say that if there are two Jews in any place, there are at least three opinions. And one of the things that I think ethical culture gets from its Jewish heritage is a tendency to want to fight with each other. <laughs> and that's okay. But make sure everybody's got the right cultural context before you start doing it, right? Make sure that people know that you're disagreeing in love and care rather than because you think you're the smartest person in the room and they should shut up. Listen, I'm, I'm also guilty of that. Let me be clear. This is not me lecturing from a place of I have never. <laughs> I struggle. Show up. Be together. Have real conversations with each other. Tell your friends about this place where we are trying things, where we are open to being changed by new people, new ideas, and where we are dreaming about a future that isn't the end of the world. Y'all are great. I'm a big fan of being here. And as I look around the room, I see so many people with so many ideas and so much vibrant potential. I love it when y'all show up. I love it when you laugh together and when you think together and when you come and sit in the library with me and tell me what you've been thinking about. It's not gonna be perfect. It's not necessarily gonna be easy, but we're gonna do it. So what's next? Thank you.
This is the time when we share our own voices to the morning, adding our reflections to the platform or what resonates with our personal experience. We had lots of chat comments going on during the uh, 
communal sharing time of the platform. I am not going to go back over all 40 plus of those, uh, but if people in the online uh, attendees want to highlight anything that came up for them during that, or of course add anything new, I will be happy to read it now. Um, I did notice a whole bunch of um, chat comments relating to the idea of bringing back coffee at coffee hour. So that might be something to look forward to. All right. Um, So I don't know if this is uh, intended for reading aloud now, but I think it's relevant enough. So I will uh, call, re recite uh, what Paul Baker said here. Uh, the book idea brings up the issue of communication. We have very little bandwidth for it. I'd favor reestablishing a newsletter shooting for say quarterly. Meanwhile, you can all sign up for the West Google group chat. Oops, they might not work in September. Hmm, I don't know why that wouldn't work. All right. Um, uh, Sorry, I hit the wrong button. Okay. All right. Um, don't see other relevant comments in the chat, so uh, we'll turn to any folks here in the hall. Um, come, Mike, uh, please say your name. Welcome to provide your pronouns and try and keep your comments relatively brief, please. John, John Dakin, he, him. When I saw the title of the platform, I didn't make the West Wing connection, but I definitely did anticipate that that was a question that Casey was putting in our mouths and was gonna come up here and answer it for us. <laughs> the way that Martin Sheen would, <laughs> And so, and I feel embarrassed, Casey, because after all, you know, I'm among the people who have talked to you about these things and I know about your passion for collaboration. And yet, <laughs> I did come here waiting for you to solve it for us. Um, and as I reflected upon it, um, what, what moves me, is that having thought long and hard about our philosophy and contemplated and then walked away from pursuing a clergy role in our tradition was that I saw too little of what you just did this morning. And I kind of feel like this captures my dream for our philosophy is this idea that I think Emerson offered Adler, but Adler didn't seem to take it in, this idea that every one of us has this beautiful thing in us and that we can together figure out together what next will look like. So thank you. Uh, Jeff, me Hall here. Um, uh, two quick things. Uh, you know, Casey, whenever anybody talks about what might happen in the times yet to come, I think of uh, a wonderful quote variously attributed to two disparate human beings, namely Niels Bohr and Yogi Berra, um, which goes, you know, making predictions is hard, especially when it involves the future. Um, also, Perry, you had mentioned uh, 
uh, Charles Kettering, and I'm not sure people would recognize the name anymore. Um, you might see him in, in connection with the Sloan Kettering Foundation. Um, but Kettering was the guy who, in the early part of the 20th century, invented the self-starter for automobiles and made automobiles a lot easier to drive. Uh, I'm sure we've all seen pictures of very old cars uh, with a crank in the front. That's how you started the car. You'd crank it, and then it was a matter of getting into the car and adjusting something called the choke, which controlled the amount of gasoline that went into the carburetor, and also getting on to the, get, hoping to coax a spark uh, to, to allow uh, actual propulsion. Well, the big problem with that is that you had to keep it very, a very concentrated, your concentration had to be on cranking the car because it was difficult to do. It's like imagining trying to make, imagine trying to make ice cream in a manual um, uh, ice cream maker. You know, it's really difficult. Uh, plus the fact that if you took your concentration off, the crank would come back at you uh, with enough force to sprain or break your arm. Uh, the Ford Model T was notorious for this. And in fact, the condition, if you went to see your doctor with a sprained right arm, uh, uh, you'd be diagnosed with Ford arm. Adam, he, him. Having been accused of being a stand-in for Josh Lineman in my group, uh, having been accused of being a stand-in for Josh Lineman, one of the characters from the West Wing, I deeply resemble that remark. Uh, and do in fact use the phrase, what's next, with my direct reports. So maybe I should dial that back a little bit. Uh, going to back to our reading though, we do kind of live in a cyberpunk dystopia. Um, more cyber and less punk than I would like personally. But one thing I wanted to bring up is that all of the various punk genres that are out there, cyberpunk inclusive, are fundamentally optimistic. They're about, this really sucks. Let's change it. And refusing to accept that bad things have to continue. So I take that as inspiration. More punk, less cyber. I'm Denise, she, her. So yesterday I went to see the Barbie movie. I highly recommend it. It's a very funny, fun movie, but I found myself crying at the end of the movie. <laughs> Casey's nodding, thank you. I felt a little weird in the movie theater crying, um, but I think the part that really got me was America Ferrero's speech about all the like impossible and completely opposite standards that you have to live up to as a woman and just sort of the journey of Barbie into the complexities of being human and probably my own habit of repressing, repressing my emotions so they come out at weird times. But anyway, when Casey talked about how it's hard to imagine a future that you haven't seen someone else living, that kind of connected to that for me because in society, we're surrounded by all these standards of who you should be and we're all trying to live up to the same standards, which is kind of weird when you think about it, because we're not all the same people. So I think 
the first step towards imagining futures is trying to imagine things that we've never seen before. And that's hard and complicated and might make us cry sometimes. I love sizing this thing. I have a dream, and I say that intentionally, being tomorrow is the anniversary. So, how many of you remember January 20, 2008, and where you were? How many of you remember being in this room January 20th, 2008? So for those of you who weren't, my dream then, having resulted from hearing people saying, but I don't want to go to, down to D.C., it's too crowded, it's too cold, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I really wish I could be with people to watch Obama's first inauguration. My dream was, let's do it. And I, together with a couple of other people, made it happen. And this room was filled with our community, not just Wes, our whole community. And that's my dream, that this room, again, gets filled with our whole community. There were people from our neighborhood, from up and down 16th Street, from all over Shepherd Park. They came to be together to celebrate that moment. That's my dream. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you to all who shared your thoughts and attention. Just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, we split all undesignated gifts in the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. This August, as we have done for several years now, we've been pleased to support family and friends of incarcerated people. FFOIP brings services to the children of incarcerated people and at-risk youth working to disrupt cycles of multi-generational incarceration. Some of us assisted FFOIP directly this month by purchasing school supplies from their Amazon wish list. Those supplies were shared with students at their annual picnic yesterday. In any case, we all have one more opportunity to contribute both to FFOIP and to the work of the Ethical Society. Let's all take a moment to prepare to respond to the invitation to generosity as we're able. To, note, to donate online through the Simple Give system, text an amount to 202-335-1885, go to tiny.cc slash westgives, or click on Give on our website, ethicalsociety.org. To donate in person today, just place cash or check in the basket at the back of the hall on your way out. 
and you can always send a check by mail. Thank you for your generosity. We will now receive your gifts and the gift of music. Before we leave this morning, I want to let you know about a few things coming up in the life of our community. This afternoon, we have two Zoom events. The Science Fiction Book Club will meet starting at 1.30, and the Mental Health Support Group will meet at 2 p.m. On Tuesday evening, there will be improv in the Social Hall at 6.45, and on Wednesday, the chorus will rehearse right here at 7.30. Thursday is the last day to register for the Beloved Conversations Within programs offered by the Meadville Lombard Theological School. 
Descriptions and links are in Thursday's news and notes email from the West office. Looking further ahead, I hope we all have Saturday, November 18th, marked on our calendars for the 2023 West auction. I understand that this year's auction will include interactions with some extra special visitors from elsewhere in the universe. I don't know if they're coming to bid on the lamps or going to offer some new vacation rentals or what. But anyway, uh, please contact Emily Newman if you have the facilities to host extraterrestrial visitors or just for more information. That's it for announcements today. As always, you can find information about opportunities to connect in the weekly news and notes email and on the calendar page of Wes's website, ethicalsociety.org. Thank you so much to the many people who helped to create this morning's time together. Today's platform speaker, senior leader, Casey Slack, and musicians, Josh Blinder, Jason Lang, and Tom Bishop. Staff members, Indara Miles, Robin Kravitz, and Maceo Thomas. And of course, our platform production volunteers, the tech team members, slide artists, Zoom chat usher, and in-person greeters, including some late substitutions. So thank you all. And thanks to all of you for joining in today's platform in person or remotely. After the closing words, please join us for social hour, either here or on Zoom. And again, if you're new to our community, please introduce yourself in person or via the connection form at tiny.cc slash westconnects or an email to membership at ethicalsociety.org. Now I invite you to join in our closing sing-along and closing words. We all had 120 verses and we may have it down to five. <laughs> but uh, I hope it still, you know, it still resonates. I think it does. There's no place in this world where I belong when I'm gone. And I don't know the right from the wrong when I'm gone. And I won't be singing out this song when I'm gone. So I guess I better leave it while I'm here. And I won't be the crazy girl when I'm gone. And I won't even have any care when I'm gone. And I won't be
Call that a crowd pleaser. And now for our closing words, let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment to a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.